Prepare your ear holes for hoops. It's like a romance with the ball. Get ready for a view of Cleveland basketball from downtown Columbus. Let it ride! This is Very Cavalier with Reeser and Matty Ice. Let's get it on. Yeah, we're rolling we're Nine episodes already? Nine, baby. All right, before we know it, it'll be episode 19, and hopefully we still have jobs by then. A lot's going to change between episode 9 and 19, I feel like, considering what's happened between episodes 1 and 9. Like, we're not even at episode 10 yet, Matty Ice. Yeah. I'm Eric Reeser, very cavalier. It's kind of how we do it. Like, I don't like to intro things with much uh, structure to them. Yeah. I just hit record, and here we are. I like it, man. We're Lazy River this joint. But, like, think of everything that's transpired over a couple of months of the NBA season. Like, we're just dipping our toes into January. And we've got stuff that it's like we're trying to do a half hour podcast, and it's like what gets left out? Like what? 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 What would take like precedent over the other? Right, especially in a league to where there's always, always stuff going on. Yeah, always drama going on. I'm sure you even saw this weekend the back and forth with LeBron and Sam Amick. What was that about? From the Athletic, where Sam Amick comes out and drops quotes from LeBron. LeBron essentially comes back out and says, whoa, 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 that's not that's not really what I meant. So this league is just always crazy, man, and it's always drama-filled, and that's why I love it. It's so easy for, and, and LeBron's not the only one that does this, that athletes to come out and say, oh, you took it out of context. Oh, you, you use my words against me. It's like, all right, then, then provide proper context. Yeah. Or provide, like, what were you trying to say by that? Because Sam Amick, he had literally direct quotes, which to me, he meant... He was recording that thing. Man, he was recording the conversation with LeBron. I probably asked LeBron, is it okay if I roll with this? LeBron signed off on it, and there we go. Like, that was just crazy to see. But this is what always happens in this league. When we get closer and closer to that damn trade deadline, the drama only amplifies. And now here we are. Now here we are. But regardless of the stuff happening on the left coast, the Cavs find themselves still in the thick of things, man. A week ago, they were sitting there in that fourth slot. Same thing remains. Cavs two and a half games back of that one seed. Some decent stuff going on, E. Some decent stuff going on right and now. And I think some decent basketball being played by Cleveland, who's out on the left coast, or at least close enough to it. Yeah. Um, what was it? The uh, So this would be Monday, January 9th. So they got a win over the uh, Phoenix Suns on Sunday, January 8th, 112-98. You had uh, 22 for both Garland and Mitchell. Mm-hmm. It was really good to see them rest uh, Donovan Mitchell and everybody feel okay about yeah. it. Because this was, I think, the first time this season where it was like, you just got to give him some rest. And I, I even think Donovan came out and said, like, I just didn't have my legs under mm-hmm. me. And that feels like a really comfortable position for everybody to be in where it's not like, oh, they're resting their star. What a bunch of bums. Like my only qualm from what would have been the Friday, January 7th, the game against the Nuggets. It's like you still could have gotten beaten by double digits by Denver without Mm -hmm. throwing Darius Garland back out. there. I felt that was a little too soon considering the thumb injury that he had. And I can't remember exactly when in the game it was, but it looked like he hurt his, he he got knocked on it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all of that for what? Woo, that was dicey. That was dicey when we were looking at DJ and possibly that injury being worse again. But I tell you what, this game against the Suns yesterday, I wasn't all the way happy with the effort from start to finish. Now, the end of that game was absolutely incredible. Were they going a 21-2 run, 23-2 run? Out really Something well. like that. They finished really, really strong. But when you're going up against the Suns without Chris Paul, Booker, Cam Johnson, some of these guys, three of those guys are starters for them. Like, you have to come out and I think insert more dominance on them. But regardless, 
they got this dub, and that's really important right now. And I think baked into the win against the Suns was something you and I were looking at in all season, all preseason was how consistent can Isaac Okoro be with the shot? That's it. Yeah. And now he's a guy right now to where you look at the output from yesterday, four from six from the three-point line is absolutely ridiculous from Isaac Okoro. And when you get that combined with some of the stuff that we're seeing from Karis LeVert, you're going to get some of these games to where you can play around with certain teams and still find a way to win. So we might might not love the process of how they went about it, but e, these are the pieces that's going to put this Cavs team over the top. Whenever you get this offensive output from one of Okoro and Levert, they're going to be a scary team. When you get it from both, I think more times than not, this team's going to be winning. It was interesting. Well, it is interesting to look at and just kind of the correlation um, with Okoro's minutes against Denver this past Friday night. So it would have been only 17 minutes, three points. And then he had 23 minutes in the game against the Suns, 14 points. Mm-hmm. The only correlation I, I, I see, and this kind of goes back to my Garland gripe, is then just give Okoro more minutes for Garland. You know, you had Raul Nito, uh, mm-hmm. was also a, a big contributor Huge. over the weekend <laughs> for the Cavaliers. It's like, give those guys more minutes yeah. to try and gel as something. When you, you think you're likely going to get a Nikola Jokic game that he had on Friday night that, okay, he's an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. He's back-to-back MVP. Like, he'll, he'll do that. You're going to get pasted by 20. But give your bench guys, give some of your rotational guys a little bit more time. Give Okoro some, you know, 20, 25 yeah. minutes in that game and don't risk losing Darius Garland for more time. I like where you're at. I couldn't wait to ask you about the defense because I know last week when we cooked up the pod, you were – you were a little concerned about some of the defensive signs that we were starting to see, and they're still there. Like still I, there. I think this game against the Suns, it wasn't a great effort. And I know JB's been messing around with some of the lineups, especially that starting lineup with Okoro and Mobley and Jared Allen trying to figure out that three through five. But defensively, give me your uh, worry. Give me your worry scale on one to ten where you're at with this Cavs unit right now. So it was a seven last time we did the pot. It's still a seven. Seven. This league right now is so full of offense, E, that I don't want to panic too much when a team goes on a bad stretch of defensive stuff because I still think at the end of the day they're going to be an elite defensive team. But you just look around the league. Think about all the offensive kind of games that we've seen here recently that have been 40 points, 50 points, 60 points, 70 points in this league over the last week and a half. Like there's only so much defenses can do now to slow down these guys in the league. I just still think what they have as their roots defensively will show itself in the postseason. And who knows? There may be a couple of new faces on this Cavs roster here in a few weeks. Now, Jokic had what? 28, 10, 28, 15, 10 for his triple double on Friday night. And that, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the Suns are terrible. So them keeping yeah. them under a hundreds okie dokie with me. Um, and, and that's why I kind of say like it hasn't moved anywhere. Yeah. Like it hasn't, I haven't gotten any worse right. in like how I feel about it, but I just still look back to the bulls game a week ago where Chicago put 134 points on Cleveland. Yeah. And then there were a couple of games against the Pacers where they're putting up you know, north of 125. Mm-hmm. It's like, that I would like to see, and again, you're not going to be able to see that until you see them again. Right. Good news is you'll be able to see them again, but, you know, they're taking on the Utah Jazz. It would be January 10th. It's like, you know, I think Laurie Markkinen's had a couple of clips that have made oh, the rounds man. on social media over the weekend where they're playing really well. Like, he's averaging over 24 points a game for Utah. Yeah. And here's a guy that's, okay, contain him. And, and maybe start to put take steps in the right direction where they're kind of just standing still defensively is what I feel like in terms of are we getting better at this? Is that Utah-Cleveland trade a win-win trade? Yeah, they both won. They both did? Yeah, they both. They now, both the did. Cavs, I think, won a little bit more because they got the superstar in the trade, but with 
what Lowry's bringing to the table every night for them is a no doubt stud player. He's the best player that you just continue to build around. I think yeah. moving forward, if you're Danny Ainge, so I think it's one of those rare win-win trades that we see in sports. And just for the Cavs moving forward, you know, for at least the next couple of years, you got a star. And down there in Utah, whatever happens with Lowry and the contract stuff in the future, they have a really, really good player on their hands, and maybe some other guys too that'll show themselves eventually. Maybe with Colin, and who knows what happens. With the Baji too, but up here in the land right now, E, not much has changed. I know you and I have been looking at this defense. They're still number one in the NBA in points per game. Alana, that doesn't really tell the story all the time, and there's a whole bunch of defensive metrics you can look at so you know, really shape how you feel about a defense. But I still think at the end of the day, they're one piece away from becoming even scarier. But it's good to hear some of the rumblings out there that they're they're sniffing around, E. They're sniffing around some of these different positions, but more importantly, that three spot to try to shore up what already is a really good squad. And before we just get to the trade deadline real quick, what you just said kind of kicked uh, something off in the back of my head when – we do. Uh, we're on. We're online. We're on Twitter um, all the time. Yeah, and we're never not on. And when we we like things, it's liking things to keep a bookmark. Mm-hmm. And I bookmarked this uh, this tweet from Justin Rowan, um, who I believe does the Cavaliers podcast, the the official Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. And uh, after forty one games, the Cavs have a defensive net rating that's second only to the Boston Celtics. There you go. So, there you go. So you know, we're picking for, and choosing. For all of the things you say to me, yeah. it's just like, hey, idiot. Yeah. They're fine. They're there. They're there. And look, like I was saying, you're going to have these laws of just a week or two of average defense, of bad defense that happens all the time. And on the flip side of it, you're going to find elite offensive teams that are going to go through that same run as well. Same thing happened to Boston to start the year. Boston came out, guns blazing. They were just lighting everybody up offensively. Then they went cold for a little bit. Same thing's going to happen to the Cavs on both ends yep. of the floor. You just know that somewhere in there, they have elite playmaking, elite, elite scoring ability. And on the defensive side, they have a real chance to be an elite defensive team because we've seen flashes of that already this year. All right, Thursday, February 9th is the NBA's trade deadline, and it looks like there there's going to be, outside of the Lakers, a lot of activity. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like Los Angeles is going to be able to really do anything. No, no, no. no. Unless they want to... I, no. I see Patrick Beverly, if they want to move him back. Yeah, what type of asset is that? What are you getting I, in I don't know. with that? I, they, don't have any, they don't have draft capital. They don't have players that are desirables. What's tricky with them is whether or not Rob Palenka, Jeannie Buss, front office members of the Lakers want to give up that 27 and 29 first round pick. That's what this is coming down to. They don't feel like if they gave that up, there's a player coming back to L.A. that will be worthy of that. LeBron, A.D., all the players are saying, look at this run we've been on. We've won five games in a row. A.D.'s not even in. You get us any type of respectable help out here, and who knows what can happen because the West is just absolutely nuts right now. There's nothing I think that I can predict in the Western Conference right now at the moment. No. It's madness out there. Now, you got the Golden State Warriors sitting there at 20 and 20. I think so they're at 500. The Suns, I think last night, like, took them a game under 500, and it's like, okay, if the Suns get their backcourt back, yeah. if Golden State gets a little healthy, you'll see them again. They're the team for me. Coming right. out of the West right now, the teams I like the most, Denver for me, because Jamal Murray's starting to look like a dude again. He, yeah. he really is. So you know with Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. and you know Bones Highland and all those guys, KCP, like they got a nice squad. So Denver for me, and it's still Golden State. I don't care about the regular season with them. I just yeah, don't. Yeah, I'm the same way. Just get those guys into the postseason if they're healthy. I've seen enough from Clay this year to where offensively he looks like he can have those big-time pop games for you. Draymond's still going to be an elite defensive guy. We know the pieces around them. For me, it's about Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, and Clay. Those three guys, if they're healthy and playing at a high level, I know what number third 
Purdy is bringing to the table. And if you get him just any type of help around him, man, they're going to be ridiculous to deal with. So I'm looking at Golden State and Denver right now as my two favorite in the Western Conference. Okay. So I, I did say we were going to look to the trade deadline, but I did have another question. I'm going to save the Evan Mobley discussion for later on okay. in the pod. Okay. But with the deadline coming up on February 9th, who's – I know you've mentioned Boyang Bogdanovich mm-hmm. from the Detroit Pistons, and there has been a lot of talk and speculation around him yeah. because the Pistons do look like they're going to be sellers at the deadline to get capital, whether mm-hmm. it's Bogdanovich or whether it's a couple of other players that they've got out there. But anybody else around the league that you would like for them to bring in or take a look at to maybe fill that position at the three for a run that you're hoping they make? So what's interesting to me is a couple of the guys that I've liked – have been names that have been mentioned by NBA reporters. So you've got Jake Fisher, who covers the league. He's throwing out Jay Crowder and Bojan Bogdanovic. Another name that was out there, he was Eric Gordon, who's another veteran guy. He's down there in Houston playing with a whole bunch of young dudes, and they're just playing games that really don't matter. They're just building for the future. But those three guys are veteran guys that have played in big playoff moments and that I don't think will be absolutely scared of the moment at all, and they all provide spacing and shooting. Now, with Crowder, you're getting more defense. With Bogdanovich, you're not getting hardly any defense, and the same thing's going to happen with Eric Gordon. But those are the guys that I would want. Of those three now I saw another name thrown out there and it's Bogdanovich's teammate and that's Sadiq Bey I don't know how you feel about that he fits the Cavs timeline but I don't care about the timeline right now I care about speeding up the timeline just a little bit and getting a vet in there so I wouldn't be mad if they went up to Detroit and didn't get Bogdanovich but got Sadiq Bey but I don't know if that immediate return would be what we want because I still think he's a young player trying to find himself every night and I do feel like for the both of us the guy that the Cavs should target is veteran Yes. Is when you have veteran in front of the name. And I saw this from Chris Fedor, Cleveland.com. Uh, it might have been a, a little over a week ago, but then Mark Stein kind of echoed it. Um, and Tim Hardaway Jr. Okay. And uh, okay. You, you look at, at, at what he's been able to provide for the Mavericks this season. Mm-hmm. It's great shot selection and a bunch of points. Yeah. And what the idea from Mark Stein would be Karis Levert. Would be you ship Levert. To Dallas, yeah. and you get Hardaway Jr. Um, in return. Tim's got two years left. Two years, uh, thirty-four million left on the contract beyond the season. Lavert's just got the last year on his deal, eighteen point eight. So teams would find that expiring contract somewhat attractive, talking about acquiring yep. cares, his talent, and then that contract to clean off their books for next summer and all that nonsense that I don't really care about. Uh, but yeah, he, that's another guy that will bring that same skill set to that starting unit and even help out the second unit, mixing and matching these guys and all the different lineups JB could throw out there. But that's it. It's just making life easier for Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, and your two bigs in Mobley and Allen. And that's it. When you have a guy that defenses have to respect as a legit shooter, that's just going to create more space, be able to get those lobs to Evan and Jared and just let Donovan and Darius do their thing in one-on-one situations, which we know defenders more times than not, you can't guard those guys. So, yeah, I'm good with anybody that's a legit shooter, and that is a veteran. So between Gordon, between Tim Hardaway Jr., Crowder, and Bogdanovich, if they land either one of those guys, I'm in. I don't think the Bogdanovich thing's going to happen, E, because I think his asking prices around the league is going to be a lot higher. Now, the Cavs can maybe cook up a package of second-round picks. I don't know how close that gets you, but I think Bojan Bogdanovich may go for a one. That's what's making me a little worried when it comes to the Cavs acquiring his services. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. This is Very Cavalier with Reeser and Matty Ice. 
seeing Zach Levine available, or the Bulls would want to make him available, but it kind of feels like in the recent week or so, yeah. they've done enough winning to at least cool that. Because I think it was like Sham Sharania had a report that Levine was just trying to mm -hmm. do whatever he could to work his way out of the Windy City, but oh. I think he's still got a bunch of money left on a, money. on a big ass contract that I don't think anybody would want. I think they signed him to a max. And also I want another guy that's going to come in and doesn't need the ball to do his thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I want DG and Donovan to set up whatever guy is going to come in because all the guys we're talking about, especially Tim Hardaway Jr., Eric Gordon, Bogdanovich, Jay Crowder, these are guys that know their role and that are snipers. They're not guys that want to put it all on the floor, do a whole bunch of dancing, get into the rim. Like, they're just going to be out there to shoot threes. That would be my one concern. Like, I would take Zach Levine all day long. No, good Lord, no. But I would be worried about the chemistry stuff and how that would fit throughout the second half of the season. I think, in my opinion, it's easier at this point to insert a legit three-point shooter than it is to put another ball handler playmaker into this offense where Donovan and DG are probably still trying to iron out the wrinkles on a nightly basis, just becoming new teammates the way they have. Oh, there year. is a no world where I want Zach Levine on this Cavaliers <laughs> roster. I just was seeing the, I, we were talking about the Mavericks and that popped into my head last week is where there were, uh, and I, I want to say it was Shams who had the report that there were several in the front office mm -hmm. of Dallas that, we're thrilled with the idea of getting Zach Levine, but it's just like all of that compounded with, you know, the contract, yeah. the money on the contract, the fact that maybe he's able to smooth things over with Billy Donovan still in Chicago. Billy D up there doing his thing, good man. Lord, good for him. Solid coach. He turned this thing around. Left OKC, went up to Chi-Town, and he's done some decent things. Now, it, see, here's the thing. It makes more sense for Dallas to make a move like that oh, yeah. than it does for Cleveland. They don't have as much. Dallas needs another dude. They need another star, man. Like the way they go about it, Luka's putting up incredible numbers. Maybe it'll, it'll even lead to an MVP this year, but they ain't winning a chip that way. No. They ain't winning a chip like that. Ask the Houston Rockets. You cannot win a championship with just one guy dribbling all over the place and making highlights. It's just not going to work. All right, let's do the Evan Mobley discussion here because I was trying to figure out, just as I'm sure you've heard by now, but sports gaming's legal in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And so I was just uh, playing around with different um, bets for the weekend, and I, I saw Mobley over under points at, at 15 and a half. Yeah. I'm like, well, I don't even think he's averaging 15 on the season. And I kind of looked, and it, it's been very, very quiet for the guy who I thought should have been rookie of the year last season. And I don't think it's – I mean, he had 14 uh, in the game against the Suns, but it doesn't it, – it, it feels at points he gets lost which with I this think, Cavaliers offense. Which I think is absolutely true. There's always one guy, when you talk about – bringing in a superstar player that's going to be affected the most. And I didn't expect him to be the guy I would say is getting lost. I didn't either. I thought it would be more Darius Garland, honestly. Yeah. But DG just fully wrapped his hands around, hey, man, I'm the, I'm the number two. Offensive output guy, I'm the number two. When it comes to setting everybody else up, that's me. And he's accepted that role, and I thought he's done a tremendous job of doing that. But Evan's been the guy that has had his offensive game I thought impacted the most, really, because this is a rookie that coming out of last year that really balled out, but there were still those moments and those stretches where you're saying, okay, offensively, he doesn't have everything figured out. Now you're talking about year two, trying to figure out the league and all those things, but now you're inserting Donovan Mitchell. I think 
I can understand why the pop offensively isn't there all the time. I mean, he's the third option some nights. He's the fourth option some nights. That's just the world that he's going to be in. So trying to find his game on the offensive end on a night-to-night basis, I'm sure has to be tough. But I'm not giving up on what this guy's ceiling is. He's going to be a superstar player. And I agree with you. I was just... It was it was surprising to me to kind of look through the year that he's been having and trying to remember moments where, damn, Evan Mobley popped off on you. Yeah. And for the life of me, it at least hasn't in the last month. You know who's had him? Like the, 50 from DG, 70 from Donovan. Yeah. Like, th- 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 these are the guys. Too. These are the headliners. And now Mobley's still playing wonderful defensively. He is. He and is. his ability to guard so many different players and yeah. so many styles – um, has really been what's, I think, helped kept, keep this Cavs team afloat, and that's you're going to need more of that. But And I, I can't imagine that he he feels like the coolest customer. Mm-hmm. Or one of the I mean, this, this Cavaliers team feels so even-keeled every single yeah. night. Like, they're not going to get too hot. They're not going to get too cold, and maybe that's a, a discussion whether it's, should they be getting a little hotter or should they be feeling like they're playing with a little more intensity. And yeah. some nights they take it off, and outwardly, it never feels like Mobley's ever going to be the guy that says, like, I need I need more from this. Yeah. I want to have more from this. But as the whole team really kind of learns to lean into what is a Donovan Mitchell-led offense, mm-hmm. then I, it was not expected that Mobley would kind of have – drop-off seems mean, but the, the drop-off he's had. The drop-off is – and I think it's okay for it to be a little bit of a drop-off. I mean, you're talking about him a year ago having – 12 to 13 shots a night and now he's about 10 or 11 so it's just a couple shots a game but that can be all the difference in the world where you're talking about a guy knowing especially when you're talking about a three or four option in an offense saying hey man there's that pressure of when I get the ball I better capitalize too because I don't know how many shots I'm going to get the rest of the way so as long as we see those defensive flashes from Evan that's what I think is going to be the most important part about this team because offensively, he doesn't have to carry the load. He went from maybe at the end of last season thinking I'm going to be the number two option for a legit playoff yeah. team to now I'm maybe the third or fourth option. You just never know. So I think that's got to be his role, unfortunately, is chipping in those 10 to 14 points a night, but also being very elite on the defensive end. If he can buy into that at this point in his career, that's what this team needs. And you're right, he, he does – seem like he's got the mental makeup to accept that. Like it's I totally know. good with him. And I think that's a great thing for JB to have because if this was maybe, I don't know, let's say an Anthony Edwards or a LaMelo Ball, and I'm not just calling out those guys just because I think, think that they're bad dudes, but you just don't know how young guys, especially in their second or third years of their career, will handle being slotted down on the, hey, we're coming to you, we're coming to you list for JB. That's just what it is. You got two elite offensive guys. You got another amazing, you know, rolling guy in Jared Allen, and Evan's just got to pick his spots. And I, again, it, it just feels so weird to say, knowing how good Evan Mobley's been. Yeah. And how well he's contributed every everywhere you need him. He's been a guy that's been consistent. I don't know if consistency is the right word. I'm, I'm really kind of struggling to explain properly how I feel about Mobley right now, but I also feel, shut up ESPN, I also feel that like everybody's kind of struggling with it, and Mm -hmm. and again, struggling might not even be the right word, but this is all new. This is all completely different than what this team was last year. Same thing's happening up in Toronto to Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Same thing's happening. You go look at Scotty Barnes and his up and down offensive ride every single night. He's dealing with the same thing. Now, they didn't bring in a superstar, but they've got OG Ananobi playing at an elite level. Pascal Siakam's playing at an elite level. And it's just 
you're not in the rotation. You're not in the pecking order doesn't have you that high up on it all the time when you're on certain teams. And I think for Evan, now that they've accumulated this type of talent and this type of team, things have changed here for him just a little bit. But he, I tell you what, I do like that he's still shooting 55% from the field. Yep. So when he's getting his chances, he does seem to be capitalizing on it. But I think you and I are in the headspace of this is a guy that we think could eventually in the league average 20. And I think he I will get it. to that point. He can be a twenty and ten guy. I don't know if he can in this offense. In this offense, maybe not. And that's kind of be that's the give and take when you get Donovan Mitchell. But I still think he has the skill set to do it. But if he's going to be a fourteen and ten, fourteen and nine guy for this team, you're good. I feel like the ceiling's fifteen and ten. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and right now he's fourteen point two, eight point nine. Yeah. Um, he's you know got at least a block a game. So you, you're getting that from him there. But I, yeah, I just like. It, it's it, it's not oh yeah it is kind of disappointing because I wanted him to blow up on fools this year you like felt like this dude it. was on the cusp of superstardom that's what we but then you got the superstar and you got the superstar and he and just went down say, the pecking order it, it, right, a little bit it's not that's to say it. that that can't be a thing that happens yeah. it's just right now with what everybody's trying to learn on the fly and mm-hmm. kind of mix and match especially with you know with three months into this thing you got time everybody's got time but What's going to be important for his game into the offseason, E, is those shot attempts from three to go up and that three-point percentage to go up. Because yeah. when you're playing with Donovan, that's how you're going to get more offensive stuff. That's how you're going to get more better offensive numbers is being able to fill up you know, that, that box score with a three or two a game. I mean, he's barely throwing up an attempt a game from three, and he's, at, he's shooting 20% from three. Like, that's not even a thing for him. So, and I think that should be, I think, one of the big things this offseason, regardless of what happens in the postseason with this squad, is Ev. The way that you're going to be more impactful on the offensive end with us is for you to knock down more threes and just throw up more attempts. And I think eventually that will come because he's just not going to be asked to do a whole bunch just because DG and Donovan have the ball in their hands so much on this team. Because we go into the season, you're like, well, you know, Donovan Mitchell's a ball-dominant point guard, and Darius Garland's going to be less of a ball-dominant guard for this this Cavaliers offense. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really do it justice because I admittedly didn't watch a ton of Donovan Mitchell. Boy, you ain't kidding. But look what it's resulted in, right? You're 41 games in, you're 25 and 13. Mm-hmm. So things are, like, we are bitching about first-world problems. We really are. You bitch about stuff like this when you're talking about a good team. That's what you do. with really high expectations. That's what you do. And we, that's good. I love having high expectations. We do the same thing all the time with Ohio State football, right? You're splitting hairs. Yep. For the most part, you're getting really good stuff, but you have to split hairs with an elite team, and that's what the Cavs are. And now, with this Kevin Durant news that's out there and him. Oh, yes. I was going to ask you, are the Nets done? Possibly missing <laughs> a few weeks here. You can make an even deeper run in the standings if you're the Cavs. So that's what this thing's got to be about because who knows how long KD is going to be out? Who knows what that's going to look like? Because you're right, E. Nets are playing amazing basketball. Now they've really hit well. just hit this stop sign. We'll see what Kyrie can do and all the other reinforcements they brought in this offseason. For, but for the Cavs, these are the opportunities within a season that you have to take advantage of because the Milwaukee Bucks have not looked this sharp here recently. The Nets are now dealing with a superstar in KD being out for a while. Boston's still Boston. But, yeah, the Cavs can make up some ground here, maybe separate themselves from the Nets uh, here over the next month. Is Chris Middleton ever going to play, like, three games in a Listen, row? man. The Bucks are a weird squad to figure out right now. Like, I would not be panicking if I were a Bucks fan, but four and six in our last ten, 
The offense looks inept in certain games. Like, it's not clicking the way that I thought it would with Milwaukee. I kind of want to grant them the grace that I do Golden State, and it's kind of like I don't even care because I've seen them no, get to the postseason. But it's not looking great right now. But I think I got to grant them the same kind of rope, if you will, that I do with the Warriors just because I've seen them get to the mountaintop with the core that you still see on a nightly basis. And for KD, so two weeks, he'll be evaluated in two weeks um, with an eight, with an MCL injury. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough because you know, the season's so long, and so two yeah. weeks can, when we look back at this in March and feel like the mm-hmm. two weeks was nothing, or we can look at a, a two-week stretch because I think they the next up for the Brooklyn Nets, I'm trying to click around on their schedule. They got the Celtics coming up. Ooh, well, of course we miss out oh, on that. They got of course the Celtics we miss out on that. On Thursday. Of course we miss out on that. Huh. KD Tatum. Because you know KD was looking for revenge for how the Celtics did them Boy. and him in the postseason. The next two games for the Nets were going to be the Celtics on the 12th and then on the 15th, which is a Sunday, they were going to be playing Oklahoma City. Mm. The game was going to be in New York. Then they got a West Coast road trip. So it's Sunday, January 22nd. There's an 8:30 game against the Golden State Warriors. Like the Nets had a Nets have a stretch a stretch here. Mm-hmm. They cannot afford to no, lose no, no. Kevin Durant because they could have shown out an on everybody. I mean, you got ESPN games, you got ESPN national games, you got NBA, you got a TNT are coming yeah. up. Boy, there's no good time to lose no, Kevin Durant. Not at all. And look, the this best sucks. Best case scenario for them and it is it does suck. Best case scenario for them is you can do what Golden State's done and you can hang around without your superstar. Like that surprised me what Golden State's been able to do. I didn't know if they'd be able to do this. See, I, I was actually doubting that they'd be able to maintain this level of relevancy without Steph Curry, but now here they are. So that's just what you got to hope for is you got to hope Kyrie can go superstar mode <laughs> for two to. weeks. You got to hope TJ Warren out, but more importantly, like Ben Simmons, this is your time, bro. Like this is your time to step up. This is why they acquired you and got rid of James Harden to bring you in as another star player. So I know off Offensively, he's not a 25-a-night guy, but he's got to take his game up to the next level because they've had this amazing run this season. They cannot afford to let this go completely south just because Kevin Durant's out. Now, it's going to be rough, but they have a lot to like on that team, and Jock Vaughn showing that he can be a solid coach. So it's going to start Thursday night, but, yeah, no doubt, this is going to be an uphill climb without KD because KD was in the MVP conversation this year. You know what I did in the back of my mind when you said Ben Simmons? I'm like, oh, shit, he plays for the Nets. Yeah. I don't even like he didn't even, didn't even register. I'm like, wait, what the oh. hell? I'm like, oh yeah, they still got that guy. And like, I, you know, I, I think he's been fine for them. Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. look up at the last time Ben Simmons was against the Heat. Why am I looking at a Heat box score? Well, anyway, they played 30 minutes and he had four points, but seven assists, seven rebounds. It's like, okay, in yeah. half an hour of work, go out and help us. You know, don't go out and hinder us. He's plus eight on the diff. Mm-hmm which I think is what some people care about. but Can he take his offensive output from 8 a game no, to 12 a game? Not, not at it. this point. I can't get four more layups from Ben Simmons? Because they're going to try to force it, and he's not a guy that you can just like force production. Because he's like not the, a shooter. Yeah, the production's going to have to come if it's there. Yeah. Like if he's willing to do it, but when has he shown he's willing to do it? KD this year was just out of his mind. Yeah. Like he was out like of his ben mind. Ben Simmons was getting those kind of points because everybody was focused on KD going beast mode. Completely fair. Completely fair. KD this season, 29 a night on 56% shooting. For a guy that just shoots really nothing but mid-range shots. Yeah. Like think about that. 56% shooting would be by far the best field goal percentage of Kevin Durant's career by far. And this is what year 20 year 19. I don't know what year it is for KD anymore, but that's how big of a blow this was for the Nets is that you had Kevin Durant, 
one of the best guys of his generation, arguably playing the best basketball of his career. Now he's going to be down for possibly a month plus. Huge blow for the Nets. Huge so blow. Two things from the game against the Nuggets um, on January 6th. They've got to figure out what they're doing with that rim. It was a 35-minute <laughs> delay a little over a week ago. Yeah. And then the, the, the game against the Celtics. And then they had, what, like 10 minutes on Friday? Ridiculous. How, how are we still Ridiculous. doing this? Ridiculous. Like, if you're a professional organization, figure this out. Yeah, what the hell's going like, on? It man? can't be in the span yeah. of a week you've got two no. double-digit minute delays because your rim gets back. Yeah, get that shit figured out, please. On, honestly. Can I and, say that on here? I you guess can. I said, yeah, okay. you, you just did. Okay. I don't know if I could eat 122 uh, chicken nuggets. No, I, I'm regretting signing I up for this thing already. I don't think that's going to Like, happen. I've already got the sweats thinking about what my body's going to go through. Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, doesn't matter. This, I'm done for. Tyvis texted us. Tyvis Powell texted us, like, Saturday morning. Could you imagine eating 108 nuggets? Oh. And I'm like, I don't think you understand the challenge because that feels best-case scenario. <laughs> if, like, you can do a little bit, like, a couple over 100 <laughs> – then I think you've won, oh, but man. now I'm going to the 120s. Yeah. Like I feel like that stretch of 110 to 100, probably 105 to 120 is really like the no man's land. We're asking of, of, of where it's like you really start to feel it there, We're and it's asking. just every nugget feels like a burger. Because think about it, even a halftime score is a ridiculous amount of nuggets. I mean, for a human to yes. consume, let's say what 62 nuggets, 58 nuggets, whatever it's going to be at halftime. That's already ridiculous. We're doubling down on six, that. It would have been 62 if we yeah, were going at that pace. Exactly. 62 nuggets. I'm going to be tapping out at halftime. Well, 62, and then we'd have been tied with Denver. <laughs> so if we want to do like a Cavaliers third quarter and just rest, because <laughs> oh, they do that on a night-to-night basis, then yeah. you have to pick it back up in the fourth quarter. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see. Oh, man. That'll be fun, though. We'll get it done, but I'm already sweating. Fun's the word for that. I know this has been fun, guys. We hope you've enjoyed kind of riding along this season with us. Episode 9's been... Uh, this feels like I'm, you know, I click my fingers. I, I snap my fingers. Excuse me. And we're already done with this thing. But we do have to bounce out. No other obligations to attend to. We will talk to you guys next week for episode 10 of Very Cavalier. Thanks for listening to Very Cavalier. Make sure to hit subscribe on whatever podcast thing you're listening to.